just a few things tonight from those verses that were read to us. Do you know when the disciples were on earth, <clears throat> Jesus said uh, to them, you know, you are slow of heart and of understanding. And there are certain things that just takes a while for some reason for the penny to drop. Uh, for the disciples, it was the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even the fact that he had to suffer, it was only revealed to them after the resurrection. Before the resurrection, I think it was Philip who actually said, you know, or Thomas, you know, show us the Father. You know, the Lord Jesus must have been exasperated after, you know, showing them everything. And um, there's certain things that just, for some reason, even when we become Christians, just don't seem to register with us as they ought. And we can't take it in to the magnitude of the fact that Jesus has come into this earth and the significance of that for our lives. And simply two things tonight from those verses of what Christ has come to do for us. First of all, he's come to liberate us uh, from being under the law and he's also brought us into a place where we belong and in our lives as human beings it's those two things is it not that you know are massive issues for us the sheer need of freedom and wanting to be free and then that just need as human beings to know that we do belong. And when Jesus Christ has come, those things which affect our lives deeply have been met in him. And what we have here in those few verses which were read to us, not look, not for one moment was the Apostle Paul dealing with these two issues in the sense that is on the agenda today. You know, that's the big agenda today, isn't it? The agenda about our identity and uh, the, the questions about our freedom. You know, the Apostle Paul in the book of Galatians is actually dealing with a question of how we come right with God and how that is then by uh, faith alone, uh, in Christ alone, through grace alone. Yet, you know, in answering those questions, he, he deals with these two great issues that we struggle and deal with. And one of the great things then this evening of just taking these very verses for you tonight is that, you know, the gospel is just so good and it is so relevant. And even those verses that we read, you know, I wish that people could hear them all over the world because um, that's exactly what we need to know in our in our lives and yet somehow in our christian experience we don't experience them as we ought for some reason we can as christians still live under the law and also we feel at times alienated and how that takes place i've begun to think of it well there are three reasons for it one is simply this, that in the human heart, there's this desperate need that we need to do something for our salvation. And the message by faith alone 
is very humbling and it doesn't lift us up. So when false teachers come in and tell us how we can then do and be better in our Christian life and know more of the favour of God, it feeds to our fleshly nature and we're taken down a wrong path. But the third thing is this. We never really understand the sheer implications, the enormity that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come into the flesh and in his coming, he has changed things on a cosmic scale. And in his coming, it has the most profound significance and influence on our very living and being. And so that's where we are tonight with these two aspects being dealt with. The freedom that we are to know in Jesus Christ and that belonging which we have with him. And first of all, really, then from verses 23 to verses 25, these words where we're being taught that we are no longer, the big thing here is under, under uh, guard by the law. Verse 23, I'll try and explain it. I'll sure make it as clear as mud for you. And here it is, but faith, but before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. And yet, what Paul says in this chapter is that actually all people who have known God's righteousness have had to be made right by faith alone. That includes Old Testament believers. So, for example, verse 6 of Galatians chapter 3, just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. I mean, Old Testament Christians are saved just like New Testament uh, believers. You have to have faith in that promise. And yet, in verse 23, he says, but before faith came. And the only way I can try and describe it to you is that in the last line of that verse 23, it says, kept for faith, which would afterward be revealed, that actually now what they believed in has now been revealed and confirmed in Jesus Christ. And now you see that before then faith came, there was something that God put into operation in this world. And it was the law. And it's described here as being kept under guard by the law. Now, if you actually look for a moment in your Bibles, let's have a look if I can find this. In verse 17, you find that the law was given 430 years later than the promise that God would, uh, well, save us uh, through his, uh, the Messiah, the Christ. And uh, this law, which we're told, was only for a time and for a period. Uh, for example, in verse 19 of your chapter, it was added because of transgressions till the seed would come to whom the promise was made. And what you have here, which he wants to teach these uh, Christians in Galatia, is that before faith came, it was then this guardian this, well, the idea is taken from a Roman kind of society where there would be a teacher which was uh, 
set apart for children in the house or a child and they had supervision authority they were to keep watch they were to teach they were to discipline and he says now look before then this coming and the revelation of Jesus Christ there was being kept under for a time this supervision guardianship one translator puts it like this the idea you've got of the law was of a, a matron which had a big stick which would discipline you and beat you is kind of negative but that's what happened before even you know you came perhaps even to faith yourself look if Eamon Andrews was to give you this is your life it would go something like this well you were brought up there was a matron. Oh, you were looked after you. She wasn't too nice. She'd give you a slap. You had to do this. She kept a close eye on you. And uh, she'd give you loads of things to do. She was trying to teach you the right way. Those were really difficult times. And actually, that's exactly what we're being told here. For an example, that now there was a moment we were kept under guard. We were those which knew what it was. Verse 10 of the same chapter you were under the curse. You find it there in verse 22 of the same chapter where he says, um, you were all under sin. And it was a moment you have to realize. You see, before Christ, we were under the law. We were under the burden. We were under the curse. We were under sin. We were under condemnation. And look, people live their lives, you know, under the thumb, under scrutiny, under guard, under the weather. Look, to be in a position, being under, isn't helpful. Being under is never a great place to be. And that's exactly, he says, for that moment, that's how you were living and what you knew. And in verse 24, he says, therefore, the law was a tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. And it's taken again from that picture of a teacher or a guardian, a schoolmaster, which was to oversee the child. But although it's kind of negative, there was a positive that this hopefully was to lead you uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the purpose of the law. Let me, uh, I don't know if this is a right illustration, like I said, being up under is like being oppressed. And uh, there was a hold in wrestling. The only one I know was like the half Nelson. And you got in your half Nelson and no one could get out. The only way you could get out was banging the canvas three times. And it's like that with the law. It comes into our lives to show us our desperate need, that we need a saviour, that sin's really rampant in our lives. And then we've got to cry out to God. And that law, that teacher, that tutor was to bring us to the Lord Jesus Christ. And look there in verse 25. It's very important that he wants to show them what's happened in their experience. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. And you have been liberated from that. Now, it's very important just to understand the enormity in this revelation and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you come to faith in him, 
that you're no longer under and you don't need to go back because that was for a certain time. But it happens and perhaps it happens in our life and our experience. I'm sure one of the reasons why Christians sometimes don't have the joy and the freedom that we ought to have in our Christian experience is because we're still living, you see, under that that tutorship which we've we've been set free from. That was only once we've had faith and come to the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet those things do happen. We get led back to live our lives like that. Now it's very difficult. It's one of those things that it takes time for the penny to drop. Now, I'm sure every one of us uh, knew what it was in our lives, you know, of course, I didn't have a teacher at home teaching me and, you know, to behave and everything. Uh, you know, I had my own parents to do that. But, uh, you know, I can remember, for example, you know, every time we had to come to the table, you know, my mother would give some speech that I got to eat all my food because there are people starving in the world. And on this plate, I can guarantee you, there'd be Brussels sprouts. Now, I've left home 40 years. And even now, if I see a Brussels sprout on that plate, I never liked them all my life. I still got to eat them because I can still hear something when I was like a child and I was being told what to do. Now, look, that I should be free of that. But it happens in our Christian experience that we end up, you see, still you've got to know that you're no longer under the law. It was only for a time. It was like a guardian over a child. And Jesus Christ has come and you've got faith in him. Now that is a very good experience to, to come to be liberated when you realize that uh, although that was good at the time and it leads you to Christ, you're free from it. But in verse now 26, there's something else which is also just as profound. And if you notice in verse 26, he says, for you. And uh, at the, the personal pronoun changes. Verse 25, where he says, we are no longer under the tutor. And I think he actually is speaking, obviously, of himself as a Jew, but actually even as the Gentiles. Even though they didn't have the written law, they definitely did live under it because it was in their hearts. But he wants to bring them to the point. But you, who are, who are real Gentiles, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And uh, when it says sons, I know the NIV has got children, but there's actually something which is significant in the translation of sons. Because he wants them to know in verse 29 that you are heirs of God. You are the ones belonging to the king. You are his children. You are those which are in. And what happens is, is that you are in through faith in Christ Jesus. Look, when faiths come, you're no longer under the law. You're part of the family of God. And it is through faith in him. Let me just qualify that for a moment for you. To qualify faith, um, which is in Christ. On this bookshelf, I've got three books. I tell you, I'm never going to be able to sell them. 
I actually bought them as a volume of systematic theology called, listen to this, Evangelical Theology. Anyway, that sounds good. Do you think you can't go wrong with an evangelical theology? So I started to pick them up and I started to read them. And the theology, which is systematic, is based on the Apostles' Creed. You know, he was born of a virgin. You know, he, he lived a sinless life. You know, he lived and did miraculous things. He died an atoning death. He rose again from the grave. He ascended into heaven. He's coming back again. And you say, that's good. Well, the only thing about it, I realized when I was going through it, the guy never believed one of those truths. He never believed one of them. No, no, no. What he believed was this, is that this is the Christian faith, but it doesn't have to be true. But as long as you've got faith in this idea, then that should be enough. Now, that is absolutely madness. That's not what we've got here. You need faith, listen, which is in Jesus Christ, that you trust in him. Let me put it this way. One of my favorite verses of the Bible, I try and quote it every time I'm preaching. You're going to have it again tonight. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, I'm no Greek scholar, but I did learn very early on, the one thing you can learn, that there were two different words for in, in Greek. And the one which is used here, and in John 3, 16, is this. It's the one which is E-I-S. And it means, and a box was drawn for you with an arrow, which went straight into the box. And that's what happens when you become a Christian. You just don't believe about Jesus Christ. It's not that you've got doubts that he existed. It's that you come and you know and you trust firmly and truly and you are in him. That's what happens when you become a Christian. You now belong. And notice very, just in case we get this wrong, it is by faith. Verse 23, faith is mentioned twice. Verse 24, Faith is mentioned once. Verse 25, faith again. Verse 26, five times faith. And when a person says to you, oh, you know, I'm a Christian. You know, I go to church. I say my prayers. I read my Bible. Um, I do good works. But I'm not so sure about faith. What I believe. I mean, hang on. Listen, faith isn't one ingredient, just like all the rest. Well, I repent and I believe and I pray and I go, no, faith is the one needful, essential ingredient that is, if you don't have that, you ain't in, you're not there. You need Jesus Christ and you've got to have your faith in him and that is how a person uh, comes in now i just make and emphasize the point because in verse 27 it says for as many of you were baptized into christ have put on christ 
but surely, you know, we can't go down the road now. I mean, stress the point. It's not what we do. It's not some ceremony or religious practice or baptism or, or even circumcision. It is faith alone. Faith secures us to Jesus Christ. Baptism is a symbol of what has happened to us. And um, I, I'm sure there's different interpretations on this, but I always like to go for the, the easy one. You know, I always think of myself, you know, in the congregation at, you know, the church in Galatia. And, you know, you know, you have those ideas of who you would be. Well, I reckon if I was a Christian in Galatia, I'd most probably be the slave. I can't imagine I've reached any rank, right? I would be the one which is uneducated, but I, I would have known this. That when I became a Christian and I believed in Jesus Christ, the one thing that would have happened in my life, because it happened in the New Testament, they baptized. No, as it says, repent and be baptized. I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 2 and be, you know, baptized for the remission of your sins. I would have known of a moment and a time where I went through that ceremony and I was just thrown into the water and I was brought back up. And even though I couldn't read a Bible to save my life, I know something. Someone said something like this. You've been baptized into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and you've now risen to newness of life in him. And when a person becomes a Christian, you've been joined with him, you've put on Christ, You've died with him. You're buried with him. You've risen with him. You've got that which you know. Now, that's the important point, you see, in verse 27. Uh, baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Now, the word behind that for this idea is garment. And it's taken from the Roman culture, once again, of the toga, which was a wrong flowing robe, which was given to someone when they were no longer a child. Remember the point. If you were there listening to that, you could all get it. There's those tutors, those rich people have, and it's only when they're a child. When they come by faith in Jesus Christ, they have these big flowing robes they put over themselves. They're no longer a child anymore. That's what's happened when we have come to Jesus Christ. No longer under, we've put on Christ. And uh, the, this is the great blessing that he wants them to know. In verse then 28, and this is an issue which was going on in the church, is that there was almost at one time a, a two-tier Christianity. For example, in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 12, for before certain men came from would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And what was happening was that there were those now who were in the church and because they were Jews and circumcised and there were these Gentiles who weren't, that they were separated, even the apostles going to those which are Jews. And Paul wants them to know, now listen, you all are the sons of God. And in verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. 
Now, how relevant can this teaching be and liberating even for us this day? Look, there is a distinction in the world, the Jews and the Gentiles. There are nationalities. But look, we don't deny that, do we? And God's got a purpose in that. But don't believe for one moment that there are more lives which are more significant than others due to birth and race. You know, we say black lives matter, all lives matter. And it shouldn't be a distinction. Now, I, you know, but it does happen. And actually it happens in church life. It's one of the difficulties. I mean, if you go to America, you know, there's no question about it. You've got black churches, white churches, Mexican churches. And there's something natural in that in one sense. You're going to gravitate to those of your own, you know, language and culture and, and people that you mix with. But there is a problem, a real problem, when that becomes a barrier, that where you're from and your background, that and stops you being part of the, of the people of God and, and of the church as a whole. And somehow, look, we're not pointing fingers at America because we don't have to look too far, you know, to home. Forgive me, but this has been crackers in Wales, isn't it? I mean, that's been the utter total downfall almost in our love for our Welsh heritage and culture to such an extent that, forgive me, I don't want to offend any, you know, English people just can't come in. And if those English people come into our church, look, we're going to close being Welsh. Doesn't matter the co you know the populations ninety five percent out there English no one speaking with no and you think what's all this about isn't the gospel listen and so that has been a massive massive mistake that we have really grappled with we failed and we're in big trouble actually you know you can't believe I don't care if we're evangelicals when those asylum seekers came you know. The reason they came to, to us in Arbeth, because they weren't let in to other churches. I know it sounds incredible. They landed on our doorstep. I don't think for a moment there wasn't problems. And you say, what's that about? Oh, you've got a bunch of people who turn up and it's there. It's deep in us, whether we like it or not. And there should be no difference. Now, don't get me wrong. This is not an annihilation of nationality, of culture, and your upbringing. I remember reading a book a few years ago. Everybody gives me books, right? And I read them. That's the problem. Anyway, this one was by Pope John Paul, right? And he was the Catholic Popish Pope. And he did a chapter on, on Popish spirituality or whatever. But he had an interesting thing to say about nationality. You know, something how God has worked you know, through nationalities. And there's a variety in it. No one's denying that. But when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, I'll give you another example. There's a story by R.C. Sproul. And he tells a story of how he was um, in Hungary on a preaching tour or whatever he was with. Few, Christ few American preachers were with him. 
And uh, it turns out that the Hungarians don't like Americans. Don't know why, but there we are. And as they were on the, on the actual uh, train, the guards came along and they gave them a you know hard time, wanted to see the passports, you know. You, then they started searching, searching the, the bags. And then they found a Bible. That was a big thing. I don't know why, but it was. And then at this time, a chief guard came. And the camp said, what's all the commotion? They showed him the Bible. The chief guard started going through the book of the Bible. And then when he came to it, he, he turned the, the leaf over like that. You know, you got it like that. In a crease in the Bible. Turned it like that. Gave it back to Sproul. Told the guards, these are not Americans. These are not Americans. The guards went away. And when Sproul opened the Bible, he had turned it to Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. Our citizenship is in heaven. And it's like that, you see, for us. Now, who are Christians? You see, this transforms your life, your relationships. You see, you're no longer under. You belong to God. And, and look at this, too. It's not just to do with our, our national okay, identities, but even our social I was social. There is neither slave nor free. Very important. Very important to grasp the gospel that in the way that God deals with us, there is no extra special. <laughs> like in India, where they got a class society and uh, they won't deal with the, the delete kind of uh, culture. But you'll be surprised how all this works out, even in our Christian life. You know, we, we actually, churches, you see them on your YouTube, yuppie churches. Well, you know, aged churches, you know, kind of, you know, young people, old people, I understand that. But you've got to be really careful, really careful. And this has been a massive problem. Do you know, around here, I'll give you two, two examples. There's a church closed up the road, okay? It's called Crino. And it closed about, oh, it must be about 10 years ago now. And do you know why it was built? It was built, listen to this, so that the masters of the manors could worship there. No, 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 no. Sorry, got it wrong. Got this one wrong. That was built that the servants of the house could worship while the, while the masters of the house worshipped in the local church down the road. Same thing happened in San Stefan. They had a lovely fine building. They built Clannabry so that the servants can get up there and say their prayers. Because you see, that's what happens even in our church life. Now, being a minister can really almost drive you to disbelief. You know, you, 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 you can't make it up what happens. I remember a number of years ago, someone, you know, came up and this is evangelical, right? Evangelical. They said, Chris, do you know what we, uh, you know what we need in our church? We need a better clientele. It was serious. But I'm thinking to myself, do they know where I came from? <laughs> do they know that? I tell you, they wouldn't even have me as minister, let alone... 
This is nuts. It's madness. But what happens, it is what takes place. And you've got to know we're always making distinctions. And if you want to know a gospel which is relevant, look at this now with the next line. There is neither male nor female. That gospel is thousands of years ahead of our society today. Now, don't take it wrong that there is uh, no gender. You know, the apostles not shopping in John Lewis, where there's no longer now male and female sections. You know, it's not on about that. You were made male and female. But look, there's an equality. You talk, oh, it's a terrible thing in the BBC. There's no gender equality. Oh, there is in the gospel. It makes no difference whether you're male or female. As you see, you are all those, those children of God and heirs of God. Now, I don't know if you watched that, um, you know, that, that series or pilgrimages that took place by the BBC over the Easter period. Madness, madness. What happened was this. To lead us up to Easter, we had a group on this pilgrimage of atheists. I don't know what they were. You know, half believers, half soaped, if you ask me. But anyway, they were all there making a trip through Eastern Europe. Do you know where they ended up? They ended up in Constantinople. And then we end up on Easter week. Do you know where we ended up? We ended up in a mystic mosque service. That's the final finale, right, of where the pilgrimages ended up. So what happens is they, they, they take the, you know, the film and you're taken into the service. I've got news for you. It was all men, all men in a circle, two circles. There wasn't even a woman making coffee there. It wasn't a woman in sight. It was just men in a circle, men in a circle, and they were singing and chanting in the trance. It was pretty impressive. After then, they asked then, you know, those on pilgrimage, think of this now. The women, they've never, never known anything like it. It was the most spiritual experience that they have ever encountered and ever known. I thought to myself, Open your eyes, William. You never get in there, you know, for eternity. You know, you have to be a man to even know it. You were only shown it because you're on the BBC. You see, that's not for you. But in Jesus Christ, there is no difference. There's neither made. Look, this changes the dynamic. Look at verse 28. For you are all one in Christ. Oh, this gospel is fantastic. Tell you, makes you want to, I'm glad it's on video tonight. Hopefully, you know, the world can come and hear, you know, the freedom which is found in him. The belonging that you can know. Only found in Jesus Christ, joined together. Now look now at verse 29. Very important for you. For if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Now, he's teaching these people because you need to know something. That Abraham, he had uh, many children. 
but not all the children of the flesh actually were heirs of the promise. Very important verse for you is verse 16 of this chapter. See, I'm doing Bible study. Here it is. And what you find, look, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He does not say, and to seeds. That doesn't mean like people think these days, you know, oh, that means I've got to be Jewish or something. But as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, listen, who is Christ, the blessed promise of that seed told us in verse 16 is none other than the one Savior, Jesus Christ. And you know, all the promises are yea and are men in him. And when you become a Christian, do you know what happens? You're joined to him. You're in him. The blessings of Christ are yours. The forgiveness of sins made right with God. Eternal life. The, the blessed knowledge of the Holy Spirit. The glory which shall be yours. You are in Christ. You are his offspring and is then. According to the promise. Now, even if I was the uneducated slave in Galatia, I don't need those, those commentaries to understand what he was on about. I'm no longer under the law. Oh, no, I'm free. And I'm no longer outside. I belong. And one day, I've got a rich inheritance, which is his. Now, in our lives, I'll close, okay? And I know that you're not great on questions, but you can have a question if you want, right? Here it is, right? There are three things. In our lives, we live our lives. And we live it relating. We relate to things and to people. And when you become a Christian, you've got to realize that your relationship has changed. Such has been the cosmic impact of Jesus Christ coming into this world. It can only be that everything has changed. You are no longer under that tutor with a curse, with a burden, with a sin, with a condemnation. You are free. You belong to God and you are you belong to that family and you belong to one another, to one another. Now, isn't that liberating? Yeah, it's fantastic. It's the best news you can have. And there it is. It's all there, right? And that's our little Bible. And I did turn to a lot of verses in that book, right? And there we are. And it's just that thought for you then this night.